Welcome to Bush Footy Legends, presented by Healthway, promoting the Think Mental Health message. We'll be dusting off the old pigskin and catching up with a few of the people who have made country footy tick in Western Australia. There have been few more consistent stars of the Southwest Football League than legendary South Bunbury ruckman Peter Old. As a player or coach, Oldie would never ask his mates to do something he couldn't do. The only problem for them was, there wasn't much he couldn't do, except maybe, at times, kick over the old jam jar. Or run. <laughs> or run. <laughs> Oldie's been an enormous contributor to the Southwest game, both on and off the field, and joins me to chat about his full life in footy. Welcome, Oldie. Thanks, Butts. Great to be here. Great to have you. And uh, you're a doting granddad these days. Yes. But going back, how big a role did footy play in your younger life? Oh, enormous. Sport was always very important to me and uh, my brothers as well. Um, always loved uh, sport and footy was obviously a big part of that. So it's pretty robust, obviously, with your siblings, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. We uh, had a bit of fun in the backyard. Um, Ian went on to play uh, hockey. Dave played a bit of footy for South Bunbury uh, Colts. Very talented, but uh, yeah, went in other directions. And wasn't Judy tougher than all of you? Uh, yes, yes. Judy was the older sister and she used to keep us boys in line for sure. Now, is the story true that you did throw David over the fence at the Bunbury basketball courts once? Yeah, well, that, that's probably a, a bit of an urban myth, but um, we had a bit of a stoush and uh, the ball went uh, down uh, down through the park there and uh, I got David and told him to, to, to go and fetch the ball, which he didn't want to do, but uh, yeah, he ended up doing that, I think. I've seen you get the uh, whites of the eyes start rolling. It would have been not so subtle language, I'd imagine. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's very rare, actually, that I'd uh, roll the eyes back butts, but that was one of the occasions. <laughs> got it. Did he get it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. What about later in life when you needed some support from home? You've obviously got your beautiful wife, Terry, been a massive part of your life. How did she cope with uh, being obviously a football widow for a fair period of time there? Yeah, definitely. I, I was very, very lucky to have the support of Terry. And yeah, we had uh, three kids uh, at one stage there at the end of my career. Uh, while I was at Swans, playing at Swans, I was going away every weekend uh, to play footy while she was home with uh, two kids. And um, in the last year uh, pregnant as well. So uh, it was a pretty tough time and Terry always said to me, you go and do what you, you want to do. Uh, but in later life, she did say uh, there was times there where I might have been by myself. <laughs> so she, she was great support. She was awesome. And so were the kids as well. You've yeah. had to work hard to get those brownie points back, haven't you? Definitely. I, I'm still working on them too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spend them too quickly. No, no. Take us right back, dog. Where's your earliest footy memory take you? Um, back to uh, Wyala in South Australia. Mm. Um, well, you're a Streaky Bay boy, of course. I'm streaky Bay, yes, yes. Uh, didn't stay there long. Uh, Dad was on the farm and had a fair bit of drought, so Dad uh, got a job in the PMG and uh, went to uh, Adelaide, then Wyala. So we ended up in Wyala. Um, he got involved um, with West Wyala Footy Club, so I started juniors there. Um, I, I think I was about six or seven mm. playing for uh, West Wyala, um, green and gold. Yeah. Were well, you a big kid? Um, no, You're a big unit pretty, now. Uh, no, 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 pretty average. Uh, <laughs> no, I was um, I was one of the younger kids at those stage, and I remember my uh, brother Ian kicked a point in one game, and I thought he's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you move to WA? <laughs> Moved to WA. Um, gee, went to Darwin, um, then from Darwin back to Wyala, and then Dad got uh, transferred to Geraldton with. Uh, yeah, PMG Telecom in those days in Geraldton. Yeah. And, you, and your parents, Jeff and Pat, who many people would know, uh, obviously gave a great deal of support for your support, your support as well. Oh, definitely. Um, my mum and dad, throughout my sport career or my life, were always great, great support. You know, unconditional love. Uh, um, 
Jeff was there to give me a clip on the ears every now and then if I needed it. <laughs> was he good at it? <laughs> yeah, no, he was good. No, 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 no. Um, no, they, they were great, and as were my siblings as well. You know, we were a, a very tight, happy family unit, and I was very lucky to have that support because, as you know, in life you have your ups and downs, um, and uh, very, very lucky to have that support through my life. Yeah, It's, it's an important sort of foundation to have when you're having those roller coaster moments, isn't it? Oh, it is, and as you know, you have your life ups and downs, and um, you've got to have the good people around you uh, to support when you need it. Now, your ascension into senior footy was an interesting experience. In the 1975 Reserves Grand Final, how did you get to be playing in that? Yeah, well, there was a bit of a flu that went around the club. I was playing Colts, and myself and Eddie Lutz got asked to play a couple of the last games in the finals because they just didn't have the numbers. So, yeah, I played one game and ended up in the Grand Final. Um, yeah, and I've, I've lined up in a forward pocket, um, and uh, the bloke next to me turned around and punched me straight in the head. <laughs> so uh, I, I was 15 at the time, I think, and I thought, geez, I'm playing against men now. Did you give so, him one back? No, no, I, I was sort of dumbfounded. I thought, you know, what's going on here? Right, game yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Is that a moment that sort of taught you yeah, yeah, pretty was, quickly what was, what was going to be required for the rest of your footy career? It definitely was. It was uh, just one of those moments I'll never, ever forget. And, uh, yeah, it was bang. Wow, so this is what it's all about. Did you get his number? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Never back. Yeah, no, like no, you. no. Very unlike you, Doggo. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I suppose not everyone gets to have a win and a loss in a grand final in one day either, do they? No, that's right. So the 75, uh, we, it was reserves, South Bunbury versus Bunbury. Um, we won by a point. Great game. I remember it well. We won by a point. We ran around the ground, all got the glory. Um, and then they uh, took the game away from us because we had an ineligible player in uh, Skinny Buswell. I doubt, so, it, I doubt it would have dulled the celebrations too much that night, would it? No, no, it didn't look. This was a few days later, yeah. and they said we could play the game again, um, you know, all being fair, but we said, nah, it's all, all You're cool. A crook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nah, nah, we'll let it be. Bunbury can have the uh, have the win, but we had the glory on the day. Giddy up. Yeah, yeah. we never forget those moments, do you? Nah. The following year, you're playing in the league grand final alongside many of the most prominent players South Bunbury's ever produced. Were you daunted by the experience of that year as a 17-year-old? Yeah, because I was still at high school. So I was sort of hanging around with my mates at high school and doing the things that you do, you know, as a 17-year-old, and then going to training with all these <laughs> legends. Go on, roll a few off. <laughs> Who are you playing oh, with? Well, Dave, Dave Waldock and um, obviously Dave Palmer with the Ruckman, uh, and that's sort of the position that I always aspired to play. Mm. So those two guys stand out. And obviously Alan Prosser was in the centre um, <laughs> at, at the time, you know, could... Uh, State player, East Fremantle legend, um, Olish Cowell, uh, <laughs> Ray Rendell, um, Skinny Buswell, so uh, Pancho Buswell, Sheriff. Was Brucey Crabb playing then too? Yeah, Brucey Crabb, sorry. Yeah, of course, Brucey, our captain. Yeah, what a captain. So, yeah, it was a great, great year and uh, first year of league footy. He played in the grand final, um, which was, again, unbelievable experience for a seven-year-old. Um, going down the streets of Bunbury, whooping it up uh, after we'd won. And again, having those sort of blokes around you, and having known Dave Wardock and Dave Palmer really well, that would have been great support back then for you as, as people because they're very genuine. Uh, did that moment also, that, sort of that year, shape you as a person and as a player for the rest of your career? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, like I say, I was, I was very, very lucky because Doug Peake was our coach. He was a really genuine guy that had uh, real feeling for his players and always gave uh, positive, constructive feedback. And as did the players, as you said, Dave and uh, Dave Waldock and um, Big Palms, 
they they were happy to share their knowledge, but not just about the game, but about life as well. You know, because I was I was young and green, so um, there was a lot of people there that shaped my life uh, with their positive influence. Yeah. And sooner or later, I presume you kicked them out of their position, didn't you? Um, well, they retired basically. I think more than you anything. pushed them. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you played in an undefeated premiership in 1980 under John Depiazzi. Yep, he sounded like a real football product of his time. I didn't know the snake too well. How do you remember him, and how hard did he hit the club when he? Died doing weights in the in the club gym. It's a very famous moment in our club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for the wrong reason, obviously. Yeah. But but Duper Snake, he was uh, yeah tough, uh, unrelenting, uh, old school. But underneath all that, um, was a really heart of gold. Um, but he he was uh, yeah very very tough, uncompromising. Um, but had a real passion for the game and for the for the club South Bunbury. Yeah. What about that infamous? 1990 game, Kerry Park versus South Bunbury, where during the week you were sent a box of sheep's hearts in the mail. Yeah, yeah. In a box. Yeah, in a box. That uh, that didn't uh, go down too well. That's But but again, that's just a part of the country football. Um, Take, when, how did you get them? Like, uh, well, well, we've got a great rivalry with Kerry Park, which you've got to have in country yep. footy. You've got to have those great rivalries. So Kerry Park and South Bunbury, traditional rivalries, and uh, we weren't going too well in uh, 1990. No. So, uh, that's because I was playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. You actually got a league game. So yeah, that's, I played that's in that game. Bad, yeah, that's how bad we were. But, uh, <laughs> no, so um, we, we got the sheep's hearts, uh, you know. Um, so did you pick them up the post office or they come to your home? No, or? no, no. It was in, in at the club rooms. At the club rooms. So With your I, name on it in a box. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, and, and we're known as a sheep. Um, other than the Tigers. So, um, yeah, they're, they're they obviously were. the goats. Yeah, the goats. Kerry uh, Park. Yeah, Kerry Park. So I, I, I'm pretty sure, and I might be wrong, but Squares Stewart was uh, um, behind that, and are good mates with Squares now. So, and, and yeah, we have a laugh about that. It's just one of those things. So did he tell you it was him? Because yeah, well, over the years, everyone sort of thought it was Terry Bruce that sent them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might might have been a because uh, Terry was obviously a good character as well. Yeah. And uh, I played on him that day. Yeah. Well, he, he scared probably, the living out of me. Yeah, yeah. Which he could do, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But um, he 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 may well have had a part of it. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Squares uh, owned up that he because he worked at the abattoirs. So yeah. Well, it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty fierce battle that day. In fact, I, you, I can't remember whether it was at the end of the game or the start of the game. You actually threw the hearts at us. Yeah, yeah <laughs> in the yeah, change room. Yeah, everyone was ducking for cover. The sheep's hearts were flying around, and there was a massive brawl after the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and I think David Parkin was speaking at Kerry Park as a guest speaker the next night, and three of them were up the back wearing nose braces. <laughs> Yeah, well, there was a bit of a brawl, and we lost the game, unfortunately. Nineteen points, I yeah, remember ni- well. nineteen points. That's right. So um, that didn't even motivate us to to win that game. No. It certainly gave us a bit of a, a passion for the contest. And yeah, the, the, the brawl at the end was again just a part of country footy at that time. Yeah, footballers often draw off inspiration, you know, moments for inspiration in games. Yep. Tell us about Lee Wright's influence in the 1981 grand final. Yeah, so in 1981, um, we came up against Mine Rovers, who were a, a really good team, uh, well coached, um, had, had a great team, some good players. So, um, yeah, in 1981, uh, Lee Wright was lining up as a ruck rover, I think. I was uh, playing in the ruck, and um, yeah, he's got King Hit. So, um, just uh, yeah, out of the blue, bang. And um, he got up, he, he was shaking his head, and blood was just. You know, coming out of his mouth, he had a free kick. The umpire saw the incident, um, got a got a free kick, and played on, won the Pike Medal. And <laughs> one of the most inspirational things I'd seen um, from a player do 
to cop what he did and then go on and play such a good game, I wouldn't probably tell him that face to face. No, I didn't know but, he was that tough. No, no, no. But he, but he was. He showed what he was made of that day, and it was, uh, yeah, a great. Great uh, inspiration. Isn't that a good memory to have too? Where you can draw off and be a mate, and still see someone go through something like that, and yeah, and, uh, see him get up and dust himself off and go again. It's a good life lesson, really, isn't it? Oh, oh it definitely was. And uh, again, you know, another um, thing on, on life. You know, if, if the challenges that get thrown at you, just keep getting up because you'll get knocked down again probably. But uh, just keep getting up and having a crack. Well, speaking of which, there's a few that got knocked over in the, probably the most violent grand final in Southwest Football League history against Collie in 1985. What are your memories of that? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, um, probably the, the greatest memory was we won the game. So, um, yeah, through great duress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Take, take, just paint the picture of the game and what actually happened, dog. Yeah, well, I, I can only talk from South Bunbury side. So um, what happened and tra- transpired and uh, how it came about from the, about from the Collie side, I, I can't really comment on other than saying... Um, there was a, a few brawls in the game. Um, Keith Wynn got dragged over near the Collie dugout and was uh, basically assaulted by a member of the Collie uh, team that day. wasn't a player. Um, well, the story was that they had a few bouncers as runners, wasn't it, with some uh, ice in water bottles and all that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's particularly true and you'd have to take that up with Collie because yep. uh, it might be a bit of an urban myth urban myth again, yeah, urban myth again but uh, look it's, it's good to paint the story isn't it <laughs> but um, I believe there was probably some pl- um, water boys runners whatever you want to call them that hadn't been part of their process throughout the year and the league actually made changes then that you had to um, if you wanted to be a water boy or a, a runner actually qualify mm. yeah they changed for the, the rules, finals Ch- changed the rules they actually changed the rules was that the game from the video where Colin West copped one in one of the brawls? Um, or was that another one? That might have been another one. I, re- I remember Keith Gilly copping one from a runner, water boy, um, away from the play. And uh, Keith, Keith said he'd, he'd come to South Bunbury to play in a grand final because um, he played uh, in a lot of teams for a long, long time and uh, never played in a grand final. So he came to South and he can't remember anything of the grand final because he was concussed. How, so, how did you talk about the game back in the change rooms afterwards? Oh, I think there was a, a real resolve um, that, um, hey, we've got to overcome this, you know, um, and, and don't get me wrong, um, I don't want to belittle Collie or, or, no. or put them down at all. They were a great team and uh, we had to really fight hard, um, probably fight's the wrong word, but uh, we had to um, overcome a fair bit that day. So it was more about resolve, coming together and... Um, yeah, making sure that we, we got the result uh, that that we wanted. And was yeah. that something you remember from a half-time? That was... Well, uh, yeah, it's um, Jerry Jerry McNeil, our, our coach, was a very good coach and he didn't uh, probably be overcome by the emotion of it. It was all, still all about getting the footy and kicking the goals, um, you know, playing hard. There's only one way to win, isn't there? Exactly, yeah, and... Um, so, yeah, look, it was a, a memorable game, and if anyone wants to watch it, go to YouTube. You can have a look at it because there's a, there's a fair bit in there and yeah. people can make their own choices. But, but again, uh, Collie were a tough, um, hard opponent, 
and uh, took us a fair bit to get over over the line that day. Oh, I think there's a lot of people out there you still remain friends with today, isn't there? From oh, Collie, that, yeah, that definitely, period, yeah. definitely. Uh, Spud Slater and uh, Ron Crabb come to mind because I coached their daughters in basketball yeah. a few few years <laughs> later. You know, so um, that's country so towns for you. Isn't that, it? That's uh, yeah, that's the environment. And there was always the the Collie uh, Bunbury uh, rivalry as well. You know, but uh, yeah, that's the way it is in in country footy. Now you went on to play a couple of waffle seasons at Swan Districts under yep. the legendary John Todd. Yep. How do you look back at that part of your footy life? Yeah, yeah again, a learning experience. I played one year under John Todd um, and then one year under Ed Blackaby. Great, Ed. And, yeah, um, great people in their own rights. Um, John John was more maybe old school, but very, very knowledgeable, whereas Ed was more that personal coach who really uh, um, built a relationship individually with the players. Yeah. Toddy was notorious for testing players to their limit. You yes. had a moment with him. Can you take us through it? Oh, oh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look, we, we just played a game and uh, uh, we were playing a game against South Fremantle, I, th- I think it was. And there was a couple of moments in the game that John was unhappy with. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a little uh, room at the side there that he used to take players in and have a quiet chat if he needed to. And sometimes you'd hear a bit of uh, uh, scuffling going on. And uh, I, I did the wrong thing during the game. I tried to handball and someone intercepted and kicked a goal right before uh, uh, the end of the game. So, yeah, Toddy's uh, asked me to go into the room and Toddy was down one end there and I was at the other end walking down and, and I was just thinking to myself, this is not going to happen. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Because <laughs> if it does, it'll be on. But I think John was smart enough to read the situation and uh, gave me a fair verbal lashing. But that was it, yeah. Is that right? So no, there wasn't any physicality? No, no, no. no none. But you, no. you felt like it could be. I, I, <laughs> could I, 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 I thought it right. might be because John was, a, a, like I say, a great coach, but he, yeah. he was very passionate. And, oh, yeah, totally. And, and uh, really, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, just one of those moments. Great success back home at South Bunbury in 89 and then 1990. It all turned around. And yeah. uh, I think there's a few people baying for your blood as, as coach just a year after a premiership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What sort of pressure did you feel that season? Uh, yeah, so 89, we obviously won. Uh, and on the 89, I was coming off an undefeated year in 88, which Peter Hodel coached. So I inherited a, a very, very good team. So 80, 89 was just a, a bit of a canter, really. Um, just go out, boys, let's go and win the game. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but that, then at the end of that year, um, I think about 12 or 14 guys left the team. And a lot of those went on to play waffle footy. Yep. You know, that's how good our team was. Um, so I was left with a really young, young side. And um, some yeah. of us were quite unfit too, I might add. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a very challenging time for a coach because uh, 89 was my first experience as a league coach, and then 90, everything's going where you don't want it to go. The stereotypical chocolates, the boiled lollies. Yeah, exactly. And um, for a while there, I didn't handle it too well, I don't think, because I, I qu- quite uh, uh, wrongly. Um, Got quite, uh, what would you say, personal to some of the feedback I gave to guys. <laughs> um, I thought I was being, you know, toughing them up or whatever. You know, let's get through this. And I can remember some of the tongue lashings I gave some of the people. And, and I look back now and I think that's just not the way to coach. So, I don't uh, remember it quite that badly, to be honest. Yeah, well... well I know you, you, were, you were quite forthright because you were so competitive. But I don't remember it being that personal or 
deflating in any way. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's maybe the way more look, training that. Yeah, than yeah, yeah, well, there's a few <laughs> events at training as well. But um, over time, um, definitely that year, I look back, um, that did mould me to become a better person, even mm. um, as a, as I went forward. Because just reflecting on some of those times, that yeah. Well, we won't name the player because you won't yeah. like, want me to. But there was oh. one of those moments where you dragged a bloke around the ground during a uh, a run around the oval because yeah. he wasn't quite fit enough. Yeah, I know that's a moment. Is that yeah. the sort of thing you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I do really feel bad about that. Yeah. I, I personally feel bad about that because sure. it wasn't wasn't warranted, and the the person didn't deserve that. No, no, and I've apologised many times. Oh, I'm sure you get yeah. along with him fine now, yeah. and he, and he yeah. wouldn't. I, I, from memory, he didn't take any offence at all. Yeah, yeah, and he was out of nick, the big fella. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he, was, he, was, he was at the back of the pack with me. Yeah, <laughs> but how, how difficult is the balance as being a coach? Uh, you know, obviously, you pursued excellence in your own career. As much as you could, you're ultra competitive. How difficult is it to find that balance to sort of looking after your player welfare as a coach and also looking after their mental health? Yeah, and and that's the very point that I look back now and, and think I had the opportunity to have some real positive influence on some of those people um, more than I probably uh, understood. And going back in time, I think I would have been a, a lot better to hopefully shape them mm. um, to be better people, That's not just better though, football. It? it is, it is. You, yeah, you can't have any regrets. It's a learning for me. Mm. But, um, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think nowadays in sport that uh, mental health, that getting it uh, right with the, the balance of being a competitive, uh, uh, aggressive uh, footballer, but also having the balance of being a, a stable um member of society that can contribute outside of football. You've been around the game for a long time. Have you seen the pressure around mental health at the country footy level evolve? Or how, how do you have you seen that sort of happen? Because society is very different than when you first started playing footy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. It was, uh, you know, um, yeah, you've just... Uh, Tough it out, you know, you'll be right, you know, uh, get but, on with it. But yeah. there also probably weren't the social evils that are around now either. No, no, and... and um, yeah, looking for the pressures that for young people today, some of the decisions they've got to make in their life, peer pressure um, and the like, it really is important that those people have the support that we um, talked about. Um, and some people don't have a good family support, mm. uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, again, that's it's the life. Truth, isn't it, when you bring a lot of different people together in a, in a club. It is. So that's so important that uh, people in that club uh, understand that and can help those people that need the support outside of their family um, to, to help them stay on the right path. Have you seen it grow where, and it's it's the case with you and I even, like yeah. that mates talk to each other a bit more? Like Because back in the day, that wouldn't have happened either. As you say, it was bloke, no. you get on with it, dust yeah. yourself off, go again. But I think mates, and particularly footy mates, probably do talk a little bit more openly nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And and um, it, it is very, very important that uh, we do talk about our feelings and uh, how we really are feeling um, because for too long it has been suppressed in men. Yep. And for, for sure, I, I see a, a much better um, roadmap for people today to, um, at sporting clubs for people to get the support uh, that they need. Um, I play water polo now um, very badly. And That'd be good for your dodgy calves, though. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Can't can't swim a stroke. But um, really, the even at our age, it's not about playing the water polo. We have a, a, a sausage sizzle and a beer after, and it's like a men's health club. You know, we we, we actually uh, enjoy that company and having those those chats. Isn't so, that important? 
Definitely. Yeah. Very important, even at my age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think at any age, really. Yeah. What What was your toughest time in the game? Like, what, what do you remember? Was it that 1990 season? Was it making the move to Swan Districts? Like, what, what do you regard to go back and think, gee, that was a bit tough to get through? Yeah, 1990 was, because like I say, I'd come off uh, um, such a good year, and then uh, 1990, it was all collapsing around me, and I, I did find it really hard, and um, I didn't react in some of the instances like I should have reacted but I was luckily I had Terry at home um, and support of uh, other people around me that helped me through it because it was it was a tough time. So how did you turn it around mentally yourself like obviously you get that support and people giving you the right advice and support but how did you turn it around mentally for yourself because that's in the end the way it has to be done isn't it? Yeah well uh, in the end I was being probably judged by others around the club and not getting the results but at the end of the day I actually decided just be yourself. You just got to be yourself and, and be honest with yourself. And um, it's a, fair message, it's, isn't a it? it's a bit of a switch for me. Yeah. You're listening to Bush Footy Legends with Steve Butler. Mental health issues can affect anyone. It may be difficult at first, but talking can help. If you notice something different about a friend or a family member, check in on them. They might brush you off at first with "I'm fine." But keep checking in on them if you notice something isn't right. It lets them know that you're there to support them. Talking and listening are powerful. For tips on how to check in on a mate, search Think Mental Health WA. Well, Dogger, another really influential person at our footy club was the late, great Dr. Erm Manier. A fantastic mentor for me, both for my journalism and for my sporting prowess or lack thereof. Uh, what are your memories of the great man? Oh, the doc. Yeah, what a man. Um, probably my words won't uh, do him justice enough. He was just a, a powerhouse, a wonderful man. Um, and with the doc, he could always tell a great story. Um, and if he didn't know the facts, he'd make them up. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> made a career of it. <laughs> he, he, uh, no, no, he, he definitely did. Um, he, great storyteller um, and could uh, be really influential influential around some of the young guys, um, you know, passing on some of his life experiences, which were just amazing, you know, what he'd done and what he'd been through and uh, how he came about, just um, sharing those those memories, yeah. He was certainly influential with me at one point. I remember uh, accidentally broke an opponent's nose with my elbow, <laughs> which got a little bit high uh, at some point. <laughs> as and, it does. Uh, as it does, and yeah. it was pretty ugly, actually. I didn't, wasn't very proud of that, no. that's for sure. But uh, after the game... I remember Doc coming up into the change rooms. I was miserable because we lost because <laughs> um, I played poorly as usual. And um, <laughs> he just came up to me and I thought, oh, here we go. He's going to yeah. give me a clip here. Yeah. He, he tapped me on the shoulder, looked up and he said, you know, son, you broke that kid's nose in seven places today. And then he put his little glasses that he used to have over his nose and he gave that little nod like he used to. Yeah. He didn't say anything for a few seconds like he used to. He's brilliant. The master of the pregnant pause. Oh, definitely. And he yeah. said... Good on you, son. And then he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. But I must say, him and his wife, Snooky, oh. what brilliant Bunbury people. They, they were. And not Doc wasn't just about the, the footy club, what he did for the community and uh, for trotting, you know, president of the World Trotting <laughs> Organisation. Um, and um, at his funeral, you know, there were politicians from both sides of parliament, Big, uh, dignitaries um, from everywhere, just... Uh, and which, which is a great testament to the man himself. I, I remember I hurt my shoulder in one game and uh, at half-time, Doc come over to look at it and he said, how bad is it, son? And I said, yeah, it's pretty bad, Doc. He said, okay, I'll just give you a bit of a jab. You'll be right. And so he's giving me a jab. How's that? No, it's still 
still a bit sore. He said, you're still sore? I said, yeah. Yeah, he said, oh, I'll just give you a bit more then. So he's put another <laughs> needle, bang. How's that feel, son? No, Doc, it's not. So he's, he's giving me a check out. He said, no, there's nothing wrong, really. He said, uh, basically, toughen up, but I'll give you one more jab. So he's, he's, he's put the needle in. As it's going in, all the other stuff was <laughs> spurting out. He put that much in. And I said, he said, how are you now, son? I said, Doc, it's good. That <laughs> <laughs> might be enough. Yeah, yeah, I think I've got enough. <laughs> well, I think just to, I mean, he was always big picture, always can do. So that, that taught me a lot of things in life is to not whinge about things you can't do. Have a crack yeah. and see if you can get it done. I always remember him for those sort of experiences, not not only just him telling you but watching you and how he how he lived his life out and how he'd deal with bureaucracy and those sorts of things. But my favourite memory of him, because he had a bit of good sense of humour as well, the great man. Yes, he did. He was <clears throat> giving away a service to his stallion, the Raffi, yep. at a Bustleton trotting meeting. There was no one there. It was freezing cold, middle of winter, Bustleton trots, and the, horse, the race had been run and won, and the lady who owned the winner was standing next to him. And the doc got up to make his speech and she just couldn't stop yelling and screaming, even standing there at the presentation minutes <laughs> after the race. And she was going off like a frog in a sock. <laughs> and uh, after a while, the doc kept looking at her and kept talking and then he stopped and did that pregnant pause again. <laughs> and he looked at her and he said, love, the services of one of your horses, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a doc all over, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What a brilliant man. And yeah. Uh, yeah, couldn't speak highly enough of him. No, definitely not. Well, let's talk about some fun times, dog. We've got a bit serious here and nailed down yeah. it. But, I mean, there are important messages too there that need to get out there. But we, you've come across some great people in your time. Yep. Mickey Grasso. Yes. Won a Sandover medaler. Yep. Medal. Yep. He was obviously a very good footballer. Yep. Not such a good swimmer. No, no. We had a uh, pre-season training camp. And from memory, um, look, time and age might have dimmed some of my <laughs> dates or the actual thing, um, the events. But, uh, yeah, we, we went to... Uh, it was either Nangabrook or Tone River, one of those. And uh, Mick Grasso was in a, a canoe with Vic Pios, and they were very, very good footballers. Um, and uh, they they fell out of their canoe. The canoe tipped over, and they're, they're flailing about with their, <laughs> their arms and their legs, and they're yelling out, help, help, help. And uh, we're just standing on the banks laughing and saying, stand up, stand up. And it was only waist-deep water. So very good f- very good footballers, not very good swimmers. I'm not surprised that Vic couldn't swim. Danny managed him up growing up. <laughs> it was a very cold Warren Blackwood River. You wouldn't want to get in it too no, often. No, no, exactly. <laughs> it was very exactly. cold. Yeah. West Farmers gave you some of your, the carnivals, now the landmark obviously, gave yeah. you some of your best times in footy. Yeah, yeah, that, that was awesome. We had a great time. Really look forward to getting with other players uh, from other clubs and uh, coming together and, and just doing a few training sessions and then going away for country week at West Farmers. And, uh, yeah, they were really good times, really good memories, yeah. We talked about Lee Wright earlier. Yeah, you had a moment with him and uh, a great uh, who the pavilion down there at Hands Oval is named after. Yeah, the, Bob Black. Bob and, Black, and this is uh, Bob Black was a legend and yeah. uh, very good friends with Bob Black and uh, a lot of time for Bob and we had a lot of good times at the the South Southwest Carnivals. But I just saw an opportunity one day. Lee and I were standing up uh, in the grandstand and Bob Black was walking underneath us and uh, I thought oh, I won't let this opportunity go, so I've yelled out. <laughs> Bob Black's a dog, and ducked down. And Bob's looked up, and, and there's Lee Wright just standing by himself. And old Bob's shaking his finger, I'll get you, Ray Wright, I'll get you. <laughs> right, he never forgave you. No, <laughs> forgave no, you. no. <clears throat> What about, I mean, friendships are so important in your footy life, and they're probably the, the thing that you take out of them in the end, regardless yeah. of all the premierships, etc. 
Tell us about your friendship with Wayne Watterson, uh, yep. Little Big Eyes, as we call him. Yes, uh, yep. a very entertaining little man. But uh, he was he was a tough little fella too, and they targeted him a bit too, didn't they? And they when did. He played, the, and probably that's what drew me to Watto. He was uh, such a ball getter, um, fair player, and uh, being a little player in those days is a much bigger fella now. Um, yeah, other teams <laughs> used to try and target him because he was so good. If he got the ball, he was a two-possession player because it would always go to another another teammate uh, by hand or foot. So um, they targeted him and they used to target him hard, but he used to just get up and uh, just keep going. And no squealing, no uh, no dobbing, no appealing to the umpires, just get up and keep going. And, and uh, from that, I just really admired the way he played footy and sort of, uh, yeah, resonated from there to be, uh, yeah, more than a mate, a great friend. Yeah, almost like a brother now, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What, what was he like at hay carting? Uh, yeah. So yeah, funny story there with hay carting. Uh, Lee Wright uh, organised us to go down and do some hay carting um, for his old man down at Barling up there, and said, "Look, boys, it's for the pre-season. I'll make sure I get you know twenty cents a bale for us." And we thought, "Oh, that's good. We'll go down." And so Lee's gone and done negoti- negotiating. He's <laughs> come out and said, "I've got ten cents a bale, boys." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go quite as well as planned, but yeah, <laughs> Watto and Lee actually ended up with hepatitis from that uh, after sharing some uh, um, drinking bottles down there, and uh, Watto ended up in hospital, so uh, yeah, yeah. And you caught him out in the hospital too, didn't you? <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how much I should say here, but yeah, look, I've gone to, best. Yeah, yeah, well, I've gone to visit Watto in hospital, and uh, he, he's, he's not feeling too well, he's obviously got hepatitis, and uh, I see the doc coming down the corridor, so uh, I thought, oh... I felt like um, passing wind, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll get Watto here. So I've passed wind, <laughs> absolute uh, silent, silently, and I said to Watto, I'm just going to duck into the toilet and shut the door, and in comes the doctor, <laughs> and Watto's realised what's happening, and the old doctor's coming in, and his face goes blue, and his eyes roll, and he said, Watto, you dirty bastard, you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine how big Watto's eyes would have been at that point. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it's nah, a bit hard fun. to get out of that one, isn't it? Yeah, no, nah, good fun. <laughs> Tell, take us back to the Nanga Brook Camp. I mean, everyone, it's a great place to go if you've ever been yeah. there. It's a, and a good place to go and bond with your mates a bit too, whether it's sporting or, or just families. But yeah. uh, you went there. Tell us about uh, Ray Ewan's performance. And he was some footballer too, wasn't he? Yeah, JR. He was he a was great footballer. Played on a wing, take a great mark. Great uh, nickname great, too. Yeah, yeah JR Ewan. Ewan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he could play. So um, yeah, we've gone to this uh, Nanga Brook. Bush camp. Jerry's organised it down there for the for a, a training camp. So um, the person who ran the camp there said, "There's uh, fifty dollars for anyone that can beat the obstacle course that we've got here." And he's pretty and that, sure he's. And that record was held by an SAS soldier, wasn't that, it? That's what yeah. he told us. Um, yeah. SAS soldier. So at the end of the camp, he said, "Okay, anyone want to have a crack at the the fifty bucks on the obstacle course?" And Ray Ewan says, "Yeah, I'll have a crack." So um, Jr. has a crack. And it was unbelievable because there were certain things you had to, to do. You had to shimmy across this um, 30-foot high beam. JR ran across it. Um, you had to shuffle your way up this tree. JR just ran up the tree. Then he came to a 30-foot drop. You're supposed to shimmy down a rope. JR jumped. <laughs> so, so he smashed the record. No fear. No fear whatsoever. No fear whatsoever. And uh, he smashed the record. So the bloke couldn't believe it. He just got the 50 bucks off the, there was a $50 note pinned on the on the wall there. He just took the pin out, got it and just gave it to him. Yeah, it was just amazing. How good is that? Oh, no, it was something I'll never forget. He could take, could take a grab too, Ray, could Oh, he? yeah, certainly, certainly. And and love to tell you about it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, have, you certainly get a lot of... Uh, 
teammates like that. What about yeah. that same camp? How did you go in the tunnel maze? Oh, once again, good mate, Watto. I'm I, claustrophobic, hate <laughs> confined spaces, but I thought this is my time where I <laughs> test can... Test yourself. Test myself. I've got to overcome my fear. So I've jumped in the tunnel and I, I'm coming out. And, and what I said to some of uh, the, the other players around, there's no way Oldie's going to get through to the other end. Let's just jump up and down here a little bit and you watch him pop back up where he started from. And sure enough, they pop, jump up and down on the top of it and then this, I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm, I'm packing myself. So, yeah, sure enough, I've popped up my head like a little gopher out of where I was started from, and they're all laughing and carrying on. So, uh, yeah, but when it was Watto's turn, I got everyone to jump up and down, and it was like it was going to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> so Watto popped up at the end as well. <laughs> You're still involved down there at South Bunbury. You still stay around here and yeah, there. Yeah. How tough's this period been for the club? I mean, I've noticed uh, on social media... They've just said that we're opening back up and people can back, come back to the club. It's been such a hub for a lot of great mates for so many years, hasn't it? Uh, this yeah. period must have been pretty tough for a lot of people. Oh, oh definitely, definitely. And the, the club have been really proactive in trying to keep people involved. Um, they've even, um, in the last couple of weeks, I've done a couple of interviews from past players to put on their website. And they're asking other people to uh, interview other people, put some information on. So I did Clayton Lewis and Ian, Ian Cale which was good to catch up with them over the phone. But they're doing all things like that to try and keep people involved because it is important, um, you know, part of your tribe, keep them together. Um, um, yeah, try and, and – and they're doing a lot. They, they definitely are. Uh, and, and your footy life sort of – you have such great people come through, don't you? Like you talked about Watto, Mick Grasso, but I mean, we talk about others. Sid Jackson come through the footy club. Yeah. Uh, you know Sid well, obviously. Uh, yes. You've, you've yeah. played alongside Leon Baker, the great man. Yep. Two premierships at Essendon. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Adam Hunter, you saw him come through as a 15-year-old, first playing league footy there. Yep. Uh, about as smart as my water bottle there in front of me. I <laughs> uh, love, you, love you, Adam. You're a legend. Um, you know, others, Peter Kranzberg yeah. went on to play in a grand final for Essendon as well. It, it, when you reflect like that, it's it's a pretty privileged place, footy, isn't it, to go through and share people's lives like that? Oh, oh it is. And you, you you mentioned some of the... the Darren Cowell, you played yeah. with his dad, and he, yeah. he came through when you were there at South Bunbury, ended up playing 100-odd games for Melbourne. For Melbourne, that's right. Yeah, so all of those sort of characters and those people... Um, you can't but be influenced by the legacy that they bring and they leave. Um, and as you pointed out, uh, Sid Jackson, uh, you know, what an absolute legend. Um, I only got to know him after he'd finished playing his football career. Um, and, um, yeah, what a man, what a, what a legend, um, as were all of those other people that you've said. And obviously there's other people as well, man, so like many. the the the. The Connos and the Bob Hannas and, and uh, you know, the Dr. Bobs, all of those people that make a great football club. Absolutely. And I, I suppose it's difficult for both of us to talk about, but it tells you about the preciousness of life a little bit. Peter Upson died only fairly recently, the great Pinger. And yeah. that tells you just how precious life is because uh, you don't get a better bloke than Pinger. No, no. Again, he from from my perspective, absolute legend, not, not just as a, a football player, but as a person. Um, he and I had a, a long relationship right through uh, playing basketball, um, outside of uh, footy as well. Um, so, yeah, for, for that to happen in such a way, it really does bring bring home the message, uh, we've got one life, make the most of it, um, because we can dwell on a lot of things that you can't influence um, and just uh, be the best person you can be with what you got and be happy with that. And a few of those people that we have mentioned were there when you were made an inaugural inductee into the Southwest Football League Hall of Fame. I'm sure that yep. was a very 
humbling experience and a great chance to reflect on exactly what football had meant to you and and what what you'd given it and what it had given you. Yeah, well, I, I've got a lot more out of footy than what, what I've given back. Uh, it's shaped me who I am, uh, the person I am, and uh, has given me all of those great times. But in all of those great times, there's been uh, times where you've uh, had your low lives, low times as well. As I said, 1990 really stands out. But but at the end of the day, it's all the whole lot, the, the good, the bad, the ugly is all part of life and the experiences help shape you to be the person you are. Yeah. Well, Ollie, you're a legend of our club. Even more importantly, very highly valued by your mates. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Really enjoyed the chat, mate. No, great, but it's great to catch up. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please share the podcast or tell a friend about it. And for tips on how to check in on a mate, search Think Mental Health WA.